looking. Final hour of the Bill Michaels Show coming up here in about 15 minutes. Mike Clemens going to be joining us for the, re, uh, the remainder of the hour. As uh, going to get the entire lowdown from up in Green Bay. Today, a day without fans. Without fans, because as Matt LaFleur put it, today is a uh, mental day. Today's a mental day. So uh, they weren't going to do a lot of hitting or running around or anything like that. So he's like, ah, you know, we really don't need fans in to see us just kind of thinking. Uh, and he didn't want to have uh, a distraction via the fans. So he said today is going to be a closed practice. And today certainly was. So they are done with it. We're going to hear from Mike coming up here in just a little bit. We'll get the lowdown on all of that as well. Uh, in the meantime, uh, a couple of emails I wanted to get to. This is uh, Steve. Steve says, uh, "What with a great debate as to whether or not the Brewers should add a bat or more pitching, why not kill two birds with one stone? Go after Otani. I know it would take a king's ransom. It's never going to happen, but it's fun to think about, right? I'm still the biggest uh, the biggest need to center field. Uh, Brian Reynolds might make the most sense. Uh, also saying uh, there's an article with the Brewers possibly trading for Ramon Laureano as well. Um I have been reading, the, and going back to Drury, uh, we were talking about this earlier, um, that there's some affordable options that are out there. And Brandon Drury uh, at the second baseman from the Cincinnati Reds could possibly be that guy. Um, there's uh, also the infielder Kyle Farmer. Uh, there's been some talk about him. Uh, could that possibly happen? Uh, it went from being the Josh Bell sweepstakes to now all these, quote, affordable guys that the Brewers could possibly get. Uh, and, 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 Rowdy, I'm going to come back to you on this because do we really think the, quote, affordable option is going to be the solidification of this team that we would believe puts them into a World Series? Man, I see, don't. that's, I mean, that's, that's my that's biggest my thing. Thought. It's like I look at some of the positions that people are questioning – the only one that I can look at and say, for a matter of fact, I think there are better people out there and it would actually be worth trading for to upgrade is center field. Because I feel like, he, you know, lately it's been the Josh Bell, right? Mm-hmm. Is he really that much better than Rowdy Telez for what you would have to give up? I don't know if he really is. And then we talked about the catcher position. I don't think there's really anyone out there worth acquiring that's going to be that much more of an upgrade where it's worth it. Right. And uh, this one's from Artie, who says, I heard, what about Christian Walker? Why? Uh, granted, he's got 20-plus uh, home runs on the season, but but why? I mean, he's he's not he's not belting the ball for average. Um, I, I, I don't see that at all. That doesn't make sense to me. I feel like I that's... I had to go back and look at his numbers like I was missing something, but I had to go look at his numbers just to see. And, yeah, that's that's not... Uh, that's not. I don't even... I don't know if that's an upgrade at all, to be completely honest. Right. Like, it's it might be a couple more home runs, but it's a lot more strikeouts, and I don't even... I don't, I'm not... I, I'm not even exactly sure how great he is on defense. Rowdy hasn't been... It's not like he's a plus defender, but he, he definitely hasn't been a negative. Mm-hmm. No, he... As a matter of fact, his defense has been better... I think I think everybody have to be honest better than what we would think, you know? I mean, than what maybe we were kind of thinking going into the season. I don't I you know, I don't think he's been that bad over at first base. Put it this way, it's not like ground balls are going through the wickets, you know? See, we're not we're not bitching and moaning that much if Colton Wong is playing up to his ability or if right. Luis Arias was playing where he was last year and was healthy all season. 
Like that's what like when you look at some of these guys on this roster, it's like if they were doing what they were last year and and really what they're expected to do and and the average ball player that they have been, we're not complaining about some of these holes that we're complaining about. We're we're really just looking at center field and saying how can we find one center fielder? If you go after a, a second baseman, do you then, in essence, say Colton Wong's experiment is over? Or do you just say, we're going to keep Wong because it was a one-year that uh, of a down-year cycle for a guy that's, for the most part, been really, really good? Or do you look at it and go, yeah, he's done? Well, I think you're definitely buying him out next year because he's got that uh, team option for $10 million. Right. I, I just don't think you can do that. But then at the same time, it's like, all right, so you have Adamas that can play shortstop, Arias can play short, third or second, Colton Wong is a second baseman. Say you do bring in Dreary. He obviously gives you a big bat, and it's something you do need in that lineup. But at the same time, mm-hmm. it's like, so is he going to play second base and Wong is not going to play, or is he going to play third base and Arias isn't going to play? Right. I, I Wong is not going to play. I mean, I, that would be the assumption, or they're going to platoon him or something because with what Wong's doing right now, the offense has affected the defense. He's not really helping you much. And Urias, I, isn't it just Urias had such a tremendous postseason, and really you kind of went to yourself and thought, you know what, coming into this year, he's he has solidified himself as the third baseman. He's got power. He's got the ability to get on base. He played in a spectacular defensive third base. That's the guy. Do we completely misjudge that, right? Oh, I, I, I love Arias. I love that kid. I feel like him and Adamas bring a lot of energy, and he he's so good in the field with his hands. It's just like I said. It's just don't give him thirty seconds to make the throw. Give him a third don't of give a him an easy play. Yeah, yeah, give him a third of a second, and he looks like a wizard out there. And then we mm-hmm. saw last year where him and Orlando Arcia were kind of at the same spots in their career, right? When Orlando Arcia was up, it was like, kid was really good in the minor leagues. He could hit for average, but he's struggling once he got to the big leagues. He was like the same exact version of Orlando Arcia, except he was like the three-year younger version at the time when the Brewers made the the decision to stick with him instead of Arcia. Mm -hmm. They almost had the same exact profile. It was all-star in the, you know, triple-A but when they had their small, you know, opportunities in the big leagues, they never really uh, hit. Well, all of a sudden, Arias came out of nowhere and and he hit last year. I think he was what two forty nine with uh, twenty three home runs. Uh, like he came and brought it. And then it was unfortunate he hasn't been healthy. But the last what I think Colton Wong's hitting like two seventy since like mid June, and Arias has been swinging the bat well as of the last couple of weeks. So it's like. Do you really want to try and upgrade and spend the prospects or the money when you have guys that in theory should be upgrading themselves? Right. It's just that's why I say it's a conundrum. This is why David Stearns gets paid the big bucks, right? Uh, Jesse says, hasn't Tyrone Taylor done the job out in center field? At what point does he finally get a full time gig? Do you believe in Tyrone Taylor? I believe in Tyrone Taylor if in his peak is like a 240 to 250 hitter with maybe, you know, 20 home runs and, you know, mm-hmm. 60, 70 RBIs. But do you think a team can win the World Series with Tyrone Taylor playing center field? Not the Brewers, just a team. Um, only if you have a power team around him. 
Because I don't think so. I, I think if you I, look I at the other I mean, teams. I, you can win if you got a bunch of guys. you got five guys in your lineup all hitting 270 or better and belting anywhere from 17 to 35 home runs. Yeah, you can win. But if you put Ty- Tyrone Taylor into a lineup that struggles to begin with, that can run hot or cold, you're not winning a World Series. Like I think if you plug in a normal Colton Wong into this team and you plug in a normal Luis Arias that you've seen the last year and a half and they play up to where they're supposed to be playing, I think you could easily be like, oh, yeah, the Colton Wong from last season plugged into this Brewers team clearly makes them better. It's not something you need to upgrade. Tyrone Taylor kind of is what he is. You know, he, he kind of busted on the scene. He's a guy that's going to be decently consistent. He's pretty average out in the field, but he's not really that needle mover. Where Colton Tyrone Wong can Taylor be great. And Jonathan Davis combined up till a couple days ago have batted 211 with uh, a 575 OPS. Those two combined. Yeah, and that's the thing with Jonathan Davis. When they made the move for him, it was basically like you're getting a younger version of the Lorenzo Kane that you just got rid of. Mm-hmm. Because he had been a guy that he had surfaced a few different times in the big leagues, but once he gets to the big leagues, he can't hit more than what he weighs. But you know you're going to get solid outfield play. Right. And with Taylor, you're going to hit a little bit better with more power, but you're going to have very average outfield play. So I guess pick your poison between those two. That's why That's why we keep screaming, they need to they need to upgrade center field. I, I we just keep looking at the sinkhole. Who are you going to get rid of and who you're not? And the area you can get a bat in right now is second base and center field. You can add better defensive prowess at first base, but right now the two areas that are sinkholes are center field and se- and second base. Those are the two areas you need to bat the most. Would you consider this, Bill? I know we're we're getting closer to having Mike join us, but would you ever consider this in the type of season that the Brewers are having in this current time period? Bryce Terang was a top 100 prospect and now just outside that top 100. He's a kid that they drafted at like 17 years old, has the bloodlines where I believe it was his dad played in the big leagues. All of a sudden he's starting to tear it up at triple a and it's a guy that's, I think he's like 22 years old. So he's been in the system for a while, but he was so young when he was drafted. He's now chomping at the bit in triple a. I don't think they'd ever consider this, but in this current stage that they're in, do you consider bringing up a kid like that that maybe gives you a little bit of a, a boost or momentum, but then you have to take Wong out of the, the lineup and he's right. just starting to swing the bat well? Uh, I The thing about it is with uh, Bryce Terang is it's, the, you know, granted it's second base, but he doesn't have huge power numbers. So it's not like he's going to fit into a team that's all or nothing, okay? He is hitting the ball better, and they've talked about him. Now, I don't have his number specifically sitting in front of me, but was listening to Brian Anderson the other night talk about him and about the fact that he's been hitting the ball and, as they call it, barreling it up so much better. His exit velocity's gone up, and the fact that he's hitting the ball to all points of the ballpark and getting on base, because his on-base percentage, I think, is well over 350. Yeah, I, you you probably would consider maybe bringing him up, and but you got to make a roster spot for him. And that's where it's just like, unfortunately, with how these brewers are currently, you know, put together, it's like you can't really take that shot. It's if Colton Wong wasn't there, 
you're easily moving Arias either to second or keeping him at third, potentially probably in the middle of the season calling up a Bryce Terang and then saying, well, this experiment didn't work. Time to go get the Brandon Jury of the world or, or, you know, like a proven bat. But just because the Brewers have these couple these couple of veterans like Wong and Yelich that are playing so much lower than what you were hoping for, but yet they still command a decent amount of money and, and still show you flashes at times, it's a very frustrating spot to be. Yep, no doubt. Let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break. Coming back, taking us the rest of the way, our good buddy Mike Clemens, live up in Green Bay at Packers training camp. It was a closed camp today to the public. Nobody allowed in. It was a kind of a mental day, as uh, Matt LaFleur put it. Uh, Mike is going to join us coming up just after uh, the uh, break. Don't forget about our friends over at New Mail Medical, treating guys with ED all over the state of Wisconsin and well beyond the borders as well. And if you're feeling down, feeling moody, feeling sluggish, they can help you out with maybe some low T treatments. How about that? Maybe uh, you're feeling a little bit, a little bit like you pack some on. Maybe you get uh, the t-shirts are a little tight and you're sweating a little bit more than you normally could, heaving and hoeing a little bit more than it uh, normally took you to get up the stairs. Maybe the all-in-one weight loss program that could be your way to go as well. Go to New Mail Medical Center. You can't do anything if you don't call four one four four five five four four five one. That's four one four four five five four four five one. Again, four one four. Four five five four four five one. It really can help, but it can't do a damn thing if you don't pick up the phone. Again, New Mel Medical Center, the medical experts. Four one four four five five four four five one. More of the Bill Michael Show is next. portion of the program brought to you by our friends over there at uh, mke brewing they are the start site for the motorcycle ride this year make sure you stop down at mke brewing this weekend if you're going to be uh, looking for a great rooftop bar to go to beautiful down there beautiful good stuff so uh <laughs> buffering going on yeah, I think that's going to be a challenge, no question, because there's nothing like reps, especially full-speed reps. I think Christian's he's been pretty impressive in terms of how fast he was able to pick everything up. He's working hard, but there's still nothing like those those game reps, whether it's preseason reps or practice reps. The words of Matt LaFleur talking about practice reps. And, uh, you know, obviously, whether or not Aaron Rodgers is going to be playing in the preseason, that's going to be an area of discussion as well. But joining us now from up in Green Bay, our good buddy Mike Clemens, brought to you by the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Quiet, cozy, comfortable, great place to stay. If you're looking for that that old-style atmosphere, that's the uh, BayMotelGreenBay.com, BayMotelGreenBay.com. And don't forget, they also have the Bay Family Restaurant there as well. Home-style meals, so good, so good up there. And they're serving them uh, seven days a week. So uh, stop into the Bay Motel in Green Bay. Again, go to BayMotelGreenBay.com. That is BayMotelGreenBay.com. Dot com. Tell them we sent you. Just good people over there and uh, love the place and the fact that they came on to work with us. And 
Just so, so good. That's baymotelgreenbay.com. Mike Clemens joining us live up there in Green Bay. Michael, how you doing, man? Pretty good. You know, uh, the big story with Devontae Adams leaving to the Raiders is trying to add depth to that wide receiver uh, position. They went for Christian Watson, speedy, tall. Some, you know, it was one of the other later receivers to go in the draft. And then here he is at the start of his first training camp, and he's on the sidelines. He's got a leg wrap on. So we had a chance to talk to him yesterday at his locker. Now, you know, he's just walking through drills. And it turns out he had what he called minor knee surgery after the last mini camp. And so, you know, we talked to him about this yesterday after practice. Um, you know, we asked him, did you ever have this kind of a soreness when you were at North Dakota State? Uh, and did this happen on a specific play during the OTAs, or how did it happen? Uh, no, it, it was something that, you know, started kind of bothering me during OTAs. I don't remember, uh, you know, an exact play. It was just something that kind of came on when I, when I was, you know, running routes and, and running and cutting and, and everything. Um, just kind of a lingering soreness. After talking with, you know, my agent and the training staff, just something that would be more beneficial for me to, um, you know, in the long term and the short term. And, you know, I mean, I'm definitely feeling feeling better and better each day. Mike, uh, I mean, it's good that he got it done now. Don't get me wrong. I mean, you know, you, you're obviously you want to get that out of the way and get on with the rest of your season. It is a, a bit of a setback, but it also has given Romeo Dubs, <laughs> it's given him some more snaps, man, and he's making the most of it. He just looks really smooth. The fourth-round pick out of Nevada. And, you know, when we were talking to him earlier this spring, this kid can name, you know, the great wide receivers some that are, you know, in, in Canton, in the Hall of Fame these days. He has studied tape going back years, and he's convinced that he's got to be, you know, as good of a football player as he can mentally. And then even today, uh, one of the coaches in LaFleur said, you know who the first player in during training camp right now, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, at the locker, looking at his playbook, is Romeo Dubs. And that might explain why yesterday, he pulls in a back shoulder throw with coverage from Eric Stokes and the pass from Aaron Rodgers like he's been here three or four years. And so, you know, we, he says that he feels very comfortable with the playbook three or four days into training camp. It's Wednesday. Their preparation is so high to where they get at that maximum level and it becomes a, it becomes a practice for them, you know. So I just make sure that I continue to prepare the way how I'm supposed to. Um, just working on the mistakes that I've had, you know, today, up to tomorrow, moving on forward. I just believe that preparation to take you amongst places. So. so you got a young guy in Romeo Dubs that's making a splash, and obviously all the eyes, uh, for the most part, are on the wide receiving core and Aaron Rodgers, his interaction with those guys. Uh, I know, Mike, you were talking about how Romeo Dubs, Jawan Winfrey, those guys have caught, in, caught some deep balls from Aaron Rodgers. I mean, uh I don't know the the argument is going to be whether or not he needs to play in the preseason to get on the same page with these guys, but how does it look in just the first couple of practices? Well, you know, Jawan Winfrey is kind of that got that MVS body type. No one's as fast as as uh, Marquez Valdez-Scaling is or was for the Packers. But, you know, Winfrey is wearing number eight, and he's streaking down the right sidelines, and you see Rodgers throwing these deep balls to him at the start of camp. Uh, and And I had this thought. You know, it's like you got to put some of these guys in front of Rodgers, and he'll find who his next number one is. I mean, he adjusted to Greg Jennings. 
he adjusted to uh, Jordy Nelson. He built that relationship. And then when Jordy had the ACL and they let him go about a year later, that the franchise had to push him into saying, you need to move on now to Devontae Adams, which he did. Well, and so, you know, we asked them about, I asked them about that. And by the way, Greg Jennings is going into the Packers Hall of Fame next month. That's how long Rodgers has been doing this. But we asked Aaron Rodgers, you know, are you like out here trying to impress somebody? And he talked about his quarterback coach who's back here after being away six or seven years, uh, Tom Clements. I told you, showing Tom Clements that I can still play. <laughs> yeah. Okay, You might joke about it, but seriously. See, Tom doesn't realize when I was a young player, I wanted nothing more than to make Tom Clements happy. And it was incredible uh, motivation for me because I would have great games, in my opinion, have a 100 quarterback rating, three touchdowns, and Tom would give me a minus performance. I said, that mother... <laughs> but it motivated me because... Because I love that Tom held me accountable in more ways than just a stat sheet. It was all about the fundamentals, the decision-making, the footwork, and stuff that really actually has molded me into the quarterback I am today. Today, I wanted to be very heavy at the back of my drop, so I threw the ball on time. And I wanted to show Tom that I could still do it. Yeah, but one of those plays today, um, you're under pressure, and you find Amari on a little sit on the left-hand side. He makes a nice catch, and I think you acknowledge that. But it made me think about, you know, you've been through Greg to Jordy to Devontae, and you've got all these talent and some wide-open jobs. You're going to find your next guy, right? Maybe next two guys, maybe three. We'll see. Um, again, you know, Sammy, got to get him back in the mix, and Christian and these young kids that are coming in and playing well. And I wouldn't be surprised if 88's over there going, hey, uh, you know, I'm a pretty damn good football player. Don't forget about me. Because when he shows up and when he's healthy, he makes a lot of plays. He just he has the last couple camps and dealt with an injury a couple years ago in camp. And I think he definitely is going to put himself in a position to have an impact. It's just a matter of him staying healthy and, and making plays. But, you know, when he's in the first huddle and you see me throw a deep ball to him, it's great for him. It's the same message to you guys that it's sending to him, and that's that I trust you. And as you guys know, that's an important step that has to be taken in the process from quarterback to receiver. So I'm really proud of Juwan. He's, you know, always been a professional for us, had some bad luck with injuries, and hopefully he can stay healthy and have a great camp. So Aaron Rodgers, look, he's he's looking to try to make a connection with just about anybody at this point, Mike. And uh, when you talk about a guy like Alan Lazard, you talked about that the other day. When Alan Lazard, he's kind of going from one Hall of Famer to the other, t- saying it tongue-in-cheek. Lazard, I don't know if he's got the capability to be a number one, but, boy, they're relying upon him heavily, aren't they? They do. And, you know, one thing you can add for news today, by the way, is that Sammy Watkins had his first practice today at training camp. It turns out that the reason he came in is that when he had his physical, had a little bit of a hamstring issue. So he went through this, you know, 50-50 sort of walk-through practice that we just finished about an hour ago. But then it's Lazard. And, you know, and, and Rogers joked the other day, well, I'm going from one Hall of Famer to another Hall of Famer. But the fact is, is that we know that Lazard is maybe a number three receiver if you've really got a, a, you know, a top elite core of wide receivers in the NFL. And so the first thing is, why did he wait until Ju- June 13th just to sign his tender? I asked him that, and he told me that, you know what, I did, if Aaron wasn't going to be there, I didn't really need to be there. I'm building a house in my hometown in Des Moines. You know, I could was I was able to take the time off, and I did. So whatever kind of leverage he was trying to show it, but he's here now. He's 110. percent 
So the next question I had asked him was this. You know, all those passes that, that went to over half of the team production went all to Devontae Adams. I said, so you're in the clutch, you're playing the 49ers in the snow, and instead of throwing to you wide open over the middle, why did he throw to Devontae Adams in double coverage over the middle in that loss to the 49ers? You were wide open. You were wide open over the middle in the snow. Mm, Buffering, I would assume, yet again. Let's do this. We're having all kinds of technical issues today, unfortunately. We're going to go ahead and take a... Here, there it is. Open over the middle, in the snow. Why did he throw to Devonta Adams deep in double coverage in the playoff game against the 49ers? Why did he... Why he did he's he the quarterback. I mean, I don't choose where he throws the ball or, or what his reads are or what he's thinking, so I'm not sure how I can answer that question. You think he couldn't see him? I think that's answer, a, a question for him to answer. Well, I did ask Aaron after the game, and, you know, he as much as said, I probably should have thrown to Lazard on the play. He said that in the postgame press conference. But could he see you? Was there... Yeah, I mean, hindsight's always twenty twenty. you know, it, and we can sit here and dwell on last year's results and everything, or we can just get over it and, and move forward and, and focus on this year. Interesting stuff. Good stuff. From uh, from Mike and Alan Lazar. Let's do this. We're going to step away and take a quick break. This portion of the program brought to you by our friends at Cunis RV, Wisconsin's fastest growing RV dealer and the home of the big unit cruiser. The brand new big unit cruiser, which is just fabulous. Beautiful, beautiful vehicle. And uh, if you want one of uh, your own, definitely a- whether it's a travel trailer or a fifth wheel, whatever it happens to be, go to Cunis, K U N E S, CunisRV.com. That is CunisRV.com. All over the state of Wisconsin, continue to grow. They're taking vehicles in on consignment as well. They got a beautiful Fleetwood. Oh my God, it's stunning down at the one in Elkhorn. And uh, it's there on consignment. I had a chance to walk through it. I'd love to have that thing. Oh my God. But all kinds of units on consignment as well. You can stop in and maybe even get an even better deal on some of those vehicles that they have right now on many of their lots. Going to step away, take a quick break. More with Mike Clemens coming up next on the Bill Michael Show. You know, I like our group. Um, the depth is a fragile thing, you know, like, you know, we're going into practice one and we've got a bunch of guys that are going to be sitting out. So depth can change very, very quickly, and we have to be prepared for that. Um, but right now, you know, looking at our 90-man roster, I really like our depth. Welcome back to the program. Mike Clemens on the line with us. That was Brian Gudikins talking about the depth of his football team as they have put together what they believe to be, at least as far as the roster goes for wide receivers and such, that they believe that they have a decent room. Now it's about the offensive line without David Bakhtiari, waiting for Elton Jenkins to come back. And, you know, Mike, uh, some of the young guys, I, you know, when you and I last talked, they're moving guys all over the place right now to, one, see what their versatility like is like, and, two, to see who may end up solidifying themselves in some of these tackle roles. They got two or three open jobs in the offensive line, and when you got David Bakhtiari and Alton Jenkins standing over there on the sidelines on the PUP, you got some problems to solve. Now, John Runyon, he's a lock at left guard, and Josh Myers is back at center. So I was impressed on Wednesday. I was watching this number 50, Zach Tom. When I, when I talked to him and the Sean Ryan kid, the two guys they took in the middle of the draft, I was impressed by them. In, in the mini camps, uh, in, in, the, uh, in the spring workouts, I just didn't talk to them, these draft picks afterwards. I said, 
this looks like a Packer offensive lineman, like guys I've talked to over the years, like a Sitton or a TJ Lang and all that when they first get here. And so even though it's just helmets and shorts, on Wednesday, number 50, Zach Tom, out of Wake Forest, is playing left tackle, and he's doing a pretty good job. And the very next day, they got him running with the ones, and he's looking pretty good. And I saw him going up against Rashawn Gary on several snaps. So now I was a little disappointed when I went immediately to his locker after yesterday's practice to see, you know, he's not as he's not as big as Bakhtiari. He's not like the the cookie cutter height you're looking for at six four and three hundred and four pounds to play an offensive tackle, particularly left tackle in the National Football League. But um, you know, I asked him about his experience in, in lining up there and what Luke Butkus the offensive line coach has got him working on early year in training camp. Mostly my hands, my hand, my hand placement, just throwing my hands, throwing my hands, being aggressive with my hands. So that's the main thing I was focused on today, especially when I was going up there with the one. So, you know, and I felt like I did a fairly good job. I got better. I I was better than I was yesterday. So that's the main thing, just improving every day. So is there a fine line between placement and not getting a holding call? I mean, do you have to go back and forth on that all the time? Yeah, I guess, but it's mainly for me. It's just about even just throwing them. There was time. There are times where I just like take my hands back and, and let them get in my chest. So for me, it's mainly about throwing them. It's not necessarily about where I put them and like grabbing them and stuff. So, Mike, I remember when uh, I talked to Wayne Larry. He said, "Man, Sean Ryan might actually look the part." Zach Tom, like you had said, he's not the biggest cat. He's not Bakhtiari size. He's got versatility, but. Uh, so why are they throwing him out there at tackle right now? Because I don't think they're 100% on Royce Newman going into a second year. I don't think Cole Van Lannan, the kid from Wisconsin, who they let him run at right tackle again today, and they put Josh Nyman back at, at uh, left tackle. Um, you know, they, now's the time to get a look. And, you know, just not only to get a look, but also it's part of the training as well for these guys. So... You know, Zach Tom, you thought, would probably be more of a candidate at guard. And so I asked LaFleur today, so how come you had Zach Tom run with the ones? Well, he's done it. In the, I know it's a different game, but he's done it in college. And he's he's got the athleticism and um, he's got great technique. He, he really does, for what he lacks maybe in sheer size, he can really sink his hips and anchor and, and does a great job with that. So, you know, Mike, uh, going up – now, granted, they're not in pads. They're not going full go and all that kind of stuff. It's more cerebral, but you do got to get your hands out and such. But you kind of get the sense maybe from the opposite side of the ball as to how good some of these rooks may be. Uh, you look at certain players over on the defense, and maybe you go to them and you say, you know what, look, you're looking at some of these rookies and they're trying to test these guys out. They're trying to find another guy to replace David Bakhtiari for the time being or Elton Jenkins or what have you with the line shuffle that they're going to have going on. You, you get up. Sometimes it's not the coaching. It's the perspective from another guy across from him that you actually find out how good a player is. Absolutely. And, you know, the exercise right now is, look, okay, let's just project to the opener against the Vikings, Yash Nyman at left tackle because he did it for, you know, eight games or more last year when Elton Jenkins went down. Right tackle right now is wide open with, you know, Billy Taylor gone, Dennis Kelly, those guys. Maybe they sign another veteran off the street sometime during camp. That doesn't look really possible right now. Maybe you wait until after there's some cutdowns and some veteran, you know, becomes loose. 
But those two tackle jobs, and especially more importantly, is who's going to back these guys up. Maybe Runyon, you know, can take some of these snaps. Um, and the backup center job is kind of wide open because right now they're running Jake Hansen, who on the depth chart is backup center, but he's running with the ones at right guard. So, you know, at the, I just thought it was really interesting how well Zach Tom's feet were when they were going full speed in helmets and shorts against Rashawn Gary. And, man, Bill, Rashawn Gary, I swear to God, he looks faster. I, and, and he's beat I mean, he was beating Nyman on Wednesday. And maybe part of the reason that they, they made the switch and put the rookie in the left tackle to protect Aaron Rodgers' blind side. But I talked to Rashawn uh, after practice today, and I said, how good is that number 50, Zach Tom, out of Wake Forest? Oh, yeah, he's 50. He's a, he's a great athlete, great athlete. He's very patient in his set, and, I, and he's going to be good for us. Are you leaner? Because you, you look quicker. I'm around, around 270 right now, but less body fat than what I was a year before. Yeah, I feel, I feel, I feel quick, explosive, fast. Like, I'm feeling good right now. Yeah, that's me, Mike. I got less body fat than I had the year before. Um, I'm heavier. Too. It's just one big muscle is what it yeah, is. Yeah, so. you know, it means, and all the walking you do at training camp, sure, I've, I've lost five sure. pounds. Yeah, there you um, go. Hey, Rashawn uh, real Gary, quick, though, I, go ahead. I love Rashawn Gary's attitude, though, too, because I went up to him. I said, so did that kid, you know, 50, did he give you a, you know, a rough time yesterday? He goes, are you talking to me? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Because, because, and the reason I said it is because a couple of times after the snap, after the rep, I saw Rashawn Gary pat the kid on the head like, hey, kid, that was pretty good. He was giving Mm -hmm. him his all, trying to get around the corner and trying to tag off on the red jersey. And this Zach Tom was with him like a a young Bakhtiari, foot for foot, step for foot. But Rashawn looked at me and said, you're not talking. Are you talking to me? Are you <laughs> like talking to me? Beat me? Yeah. yeah, yeah. So like so Italian mob that. boss asking, are you serious? Yeah. Yes, are you talking exactly. to me? I, yeah. Exactly. Hey, um, I, I got to ask you, I'm going to go back to your video, the initial video of everybody busting through the door, coming out to welcome to the jungle and all that kind of stuff by Guns N' Roses. Uh, I'm watching uh, the, uh, the, you know, the coverage of all the camps. And it seems to me that those, what do they call those, uh, those guardian caps, I think is what they call them, those soft pad helmet things. Uh, every team has them colored to match their helmet. The Packers come out in like a gray. Yeah. It just look, it look like a bunch of Q-tips running around down there. Yeah. But like at least they're there for a purpose. Stuffing, like old yes. stuffing or something. Right. Yeah, I don't get what the color thing is, but on the first day, everybody except the quarterbacks was wearing them. And then yesterday it was like, well, okay, you know, some of the wide receivers don't have them. And then today Aaron Rodgers was not wearing them. We asked LaFleur about it. See, and so in March, you know, at some owners' meeting, they, they bought into some, you know, optics, let's say, maybe publicity thing. Like, well, we'll put this these extra padding on everybody's helmet. And so at least during practice we can reduce the amount of concussions when they're in training camp and banging heads and all that. And, you know, we'll, we'll try this out. I don't think they have any intention for TV purposes of having football players wearing those things, but at least you might be able to eliminate some concussions during training camp. They've probably got the stats as to where the problem is. And I was joking with Wayne yesterday. I said, you know, there was that old Steve Martin movie where it's called The Jerk, and he invents like a new glass, except 
after about a month, everybody's eyes crossed, and he has he goes from being a millionaire to having all these civil suits against him. Mm-hmm. I said, you know, watch in a month, all these football players are going to say, wow, we've got bad necks because we got all this extra weight on top of our helmets. And so Aaron, <laughs> we asked Aaron Jones, what do you think about wearing that extra padding, that guardian cap on your helmet in practice? Uh, you definitely, if you hurt by somebody with that, you don't feel it. <laughs> That's 100%. Uh, me and A-Rod kind of bumped heads, and I had mine on earlier. And I'm like, hold on, do that again? I don't feel anything. He's like, yeah, you're not. So uh, I don't know. Like, you know, when you get to real like real football in contact, you're not going to have that on. And so I don't know if your neck or your head is going to be ready for that because you're used to having that pad on. Um, but I understand the the pro, like the protocol and the the safety to it, 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 I think it definitely will help uh, at practice and things like that. But for a game, I don't know. Uh, let's do this. We're going to step away, take a quick break, and come back and wrap things up with Mike Clemens. Before we do that, uh, our friends at Albanese's Roadhouse, they got the Italian fish fry today. Oh, so good. A little bocce ball out there over the weekend, bocce ball leagues during the week. Albanese's Roadhouse, good Italian food, whether you're going in for the fish fry or you're going in for the meatball sub or whatever it happens to be. Good stuff on the west side of Milwaukee in Waukesha. And don't forget, I've been telling you, don't forget about Albanese's Roadhouse. You can see them at the Wisconsin State Fair and go get those meatballs and such over there. They're really, really good. Stop in and tell Joey and the gang we said hi. But right there next to Menards on Blue Mountain Road in Waukesha, Albanese's Roadhouse, so good, good people, good family, good place. And we'll probably see you there at some point or another. Let's go ahead and take a quick break, come back. We'll wrap things up. Mike Clemens coming up next. Coming up on Monday, I'm going to be in Eau Claire for a Tobacco Outlet Plus Grocery uh, golf outing at Wild Ridge Golf Course. Going to do the show live there. We're going to be there afterwards, too, with the dinner, some cigars. We're going to have a little chit-chat. It's going to be a lot of fun, and uh, I know they have a few tickets remaining. Stop in out there uh, anywhere at the Tobacco Outlet Plus Grocery stores or just go online to TobaccoOutletPlusGrocery.com, TobaccoOutletPlusGrocery.com, and get your tickets. We've got other events coming up as well, but the next one up on the docket going to be in eau claire coming up on monday so uh, really looking forward to that looking forward to seeing everybody out there this portion of the program brought to you by wabam w-a-b-a-m go to get wabam.com cleaning products products for your car products for your motorcycle products for your boat uh ceramics polishes you name it they've got to go to get wabam.com joining us on the line mike clemens so mike you know all of the talk in the off season uh, again, about Aaron Rodgers, is he or isn't he coming back? You know, does he see? Because now he said, "Look, I'm going to become. I want to be a Green Bay Packer for the rest of my life." Does he seem like he's happy? I think so, and I think he he sees an improvement in the environment. As a matter of fact, Bill, something I have never seen before, because Green Bay has always held kind of a Vince Lombardi, you know, military style of training camp. And by the way, they're still not back at St. Norbert College in the dorms because the college now is rebuilding. Now, they went to a team hotel to meet COVID protocols, but I don't know if they're ever going to go back. It's just more convenient for the rookies to stay in a team hotel and for the veterans, the guys that already got jobs and places to live, just to go Mm -hmm. home. They're not sleeping on dorm beds anymore. And today at practice was like almost like a family day, which I've never, ever really seen before, that right after practice, they've got a whole section now where, you know, like I'm, I'm going to post a picture I took of Alan Lazard visiting with Aaron Jones, 
young son today and his mom. You know Mrs. Jones. You've had her. Right. You've talked right. to her you know, in person. There's just more touchy-feely stuff like that. And, you know, there's a scene from the movie Moneyball where Brad Pitt plays Billy Bean, the GM of the Oakland A's, and he goes to his assistant and says, can you go tell me what's going on in the locker room? Because I don't want to get personal with these guys. I may have to cut them someday. And so Rogers was asked, you know, do you think that the environment – the, the, the staff of Brian Gutekunst and those scouts over there, that they're more personable among the players? I think yes. I mean, I think that there was a more concerted effort for him and his staff to be visible and to have better relationships with some of the guys. I think it's important. You know, as much as I respect, you know, the ideology of, of Billy Bean there where he didn't want to get too close to a guy he's got to get rid of, I think it's easier to get cut by someone that you appreciate, that you can have face-to-face, eye-contact conversations and get released by or traded by than somebody that you have zero relationship with. You know, there's there's funny stories, not funny actually, about like Kenny Clark coming in, coming in on cut day and somebody thinking he was a different guy who was going to get cut and they told him, grab your playbook and head upstairs. And Kenny's like, what? I, I, I was a first-round pick. I'm getting cut? This is my third year, you know? Stuff like that just can't happen in an organization that's run well um, because the relationships are the most important thing in this game because that's what fuels the chemistry, and the chemistry fuels the cohesion of a team, and that makes a difference in those crunch time moments when the game is on the line. And it starts at the top. And I think there were some great changes that uh, that begin to take place, and they're continuing to take place. Um, and I've really enjoyed uh, seeing this place take a step forward. It's, I mean, it certainly seems like things are trending in the right direction in that sense, Mike. And, you know, I mean, I don't know if he's got, you know, just this year or next year or three years or whatever down the road, but uh, it certainly seems like he's in a much, much better place this coming into this training camp than he was at this time last year. Well, we've never heard that story. But Kenny Clark, in his, the start of his third season as a Green Bay Packer, nose tackle, first-round pick, is standing in his locker, and the Turk, the guy who comes down from the GM's office, he's got a number on a Post-it note. He thinks he's gone to the right locker, and he goes to the player, you know, I'll go get 97. And, and, uh, and Kenny Clark's like, they're cutting me? Really? And it was a mistake. You know, it's like Roger says, how can that happen? How can that happen? It's stupid stuff like that that, you know, you expect perfection from us and we expect on the other. This is not to be taken lightly. And I, we'd never heard that story before. I, we thought that was fascinating. So, yeah, you know, it, it, it's, it does seem to be a little more genuine. But I'll tell you what, it's still going to be football here in the next week. It's, it's been a kumbaya week, but guys will start getting tired. People will start getting hurt. I think you already read about Lucas Patrick, who left the Packers, and now he's a starting center for the Bears. Broken thumb, out for the rest yeah. of the camp. When the injuries start piling in like that, and guys start looking around their shoulders, and you start getting closer and closer to those cut dates, and you're trying to get a job, um, it's, it'll be back to the old training camp and testy tension around here. Mike, great stuff as always. Uh, we'll talk to you again in next week. Enjoy the weekend, and I'll be in Eau Claire when you and I talk next, but uh, enjoy it, and then we'll talk soon, okay? Safe travels, Bill. Thank you. All right, buddy. Appreciate it. There you go. That's our buddy Mike Clements.
Good stuff from him. Great week worth of coverage. And uh, don't forget, we're going to be in Eau Claire on Monday. Back in the studio on Tuesday. And then we're going to be at the Wisconsin State Fair next week as well. So we got a lot coming up. Until we talk again, have a great weekend. Time for us to go. Have a good one. Swoop.